I got to have my helper here, so. That's okay. Is Cadence up there? No. Okay. Well, I can just do it. <laughs> you have to bear with me because I don't always see too good. <laughs> um, gotten to the place where I have to wear glasses on top of my glasses in order to, to read real good. Okay. I... The biggest thing, you know, I have all kinds of things about joy, and I'm going, God, where do I start? You know, so uh, I'm just going to start wherever. I am not one, okay, who says, ta-da, you know, nah, 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 nah. I tried to do that, and it just didn't work. So I said, okay, we just go write down some ideas, and God, you take it from there. Um, okay, one of the, I'm going to start out with my wonderful artwork. You can tell I'm not an artist, okay? And I was tempted not to draw it and just let you imagine, and I thought, well, we have gotten to the place where we don't use our imagination as well as we ought to. And when we see some silly drawing, some <laughs> unartful drawing, we might remember that more than we might remember some really great art. So I thought, okay. And my son's going, Mom, that's for children. What are you doing that for? I said, hey, come on. <laughs> okay. I have a train here. That's what it is. I'll let you know what it is. And it says love, joy, and peace. Now, I'm going to start off the first thing. You can't teach about joy until you teach about love and peace also because they go hand in hand. You can't ha- I mean, I'm telling you, you can't have joy unless you have love. You can't have joy unless you have peace. I've tried it. Uh, when I was first learning this, I was in a situation that things were just not all that joyful and peaceful. And, you know, and God says, you've got to love, number one. And then you rest in the Lord and the joy that's sandwiched in between comes as I love. And love is not an easy thing. So I said, God, how do I love? The love of the Lord. Let him love through me. He gives me the peace. I receive his joy. Now, I'm going to just jump on into something else here. I do this, so (laughs) bear with me. I receive joy. I choose to be happy. I receive joy. And I'll tell in a little bit what I learned this morning about receiving joy. But uh, I choose to be happy. Now, I knew this one lady, and she's gone on to be with the Lord. But she got up every morning, and she says, I choose to be happy this day. I don't care what situations come. I choose that I'm going to be happy today. And I I thought, well, you know, I don't have that kind of personality. (laughs) It's not going to happen with me. And uh, then I got to thinking, you know, personality has nothing to do with it. We choose. It's a choice. You choose to be angry. Some people, no, that person made me angry. Oh, no, no. They, you chose to be angry. I've, I think of the story of the little, the, the white, um, the mother, <laughs> the mother. She's talking to her friends, and Johnny does something he shouldn't be doing. Suddenly, it's, Johnny, you stop that right now. And you know what? <laughs> she chose the anger. 
you know, and I've, I've had it happen to me. <laughs> I chose one time at work to get angry, and then a customer came in, and I was just so nice. And I'm going, oh, God, this is not right. And the Word talks about that. You, should, you can't have fresh water and salt water coming out the same. And, and it's James that says it ought not to be so, you know. It ought not to be so. Okay, and I'm just going on and on. Okay, um, you receive joy, you choose to be happy. Now, I'm going to go on here with receiving joy. Now, I got to a place, I, you know, because I was struggling with joy, and I was having a hard time, and I was saying, God, I really don't know how to be joyful, you know. And this, I better get to my pages. And this is what he said, the first thing he said to me. He said, you know, a lot of times you don't feel good about yourself. And when you don't feel good about yourself, you don't feel good about others and you're worried about others. Self-absorption. And he says, what you need to do is self-abandonment. Self-abandonment. I said, okay. Now, I started thinking about abandonment. I thought, I thought about the mother who she has a child and she knows she can't take care of this child, and so she takes it to the uh, hospital doors or the police doors, and she leaves it. And she says, surely somebody's going to find this child before whatever, and, and they're going to take care of it, and they're going to take it, give it to a good home. And she has just lost her rights to that child. She has abandoned that child, and she no longer has rights to say anything about what happens to that child because she abandoned that child. And I know you might have heard, a lady just recently, um, she left her family, her daughter, for seven years. And then she's recently come back into her life and wanted to have rights. And and the parents went for, I mean, the stepmom went for adoption. And the judge said, you abandoned this child for seven years. You have no longer have rights. We're taking them away. And so that mother no longer. Okay, so getting to that, you got the picture of abandonment, okay? So that's what God says we're to do with self. We're to abandon self, which means we have no longer have rights. Now, okay, somebody says something against you. Do you have a right to stand up and defend yourself? Oh, wait a second. Uh, you abandon self, so you no longer have any rights. Oh, who's going to do the defending for you? God, thank you. God is going to be the, the defendant because you gave God self and said, God, I trust you. You are trustworthy enough to take care of self, and I Really, nine times out of ten, I'm not trusty worthy enough to take care of self. Because when you say something against me, I'm going to, you know, it's you. And that's, that's not how God's going to handle it. So when I abandon self, things happen. You know, we coddle. I don't know about you, but sometimes I become this overprotective mother of self. And I coddle. Somebody says something they shouldn't. It is Poor self, it's going to be okay, you know. Oh, they were so mean to you and all. And do you know what I lose? I lose my joy. 
I have no peace because I'm so worried about my poor little self that got hurt. And am I loving? The whole train has a derails. Yeah. So I that's one of my points today of letting go of self, abandoning self. Now I've gotta get to this. Uh oh, I've got to cry up, sorry. And it's okay. When your dad dies, it's okay. When your mom dies, it's okay to cry. But you can't wallow in it, you know. And this morning I was going, God, I'm just really, you know, isn't this a laugh that I'm going to be teaching on joy? And at this moment, I am not experiencing it. (laughs) And God showed me, you know, and, and I got to, I... I am silly, okay. I get up here, and these chairs, they know me. They know me by name because I preached them all the time. And, uh, you know, I get up here, and I begin preaching to these chairs. You know, they're great audience because they never get up and leave. <laughs> they're, you know, they're awesome. And so, you know, I get to preach into these. And, I, I, and so I'm just going to do what I did this morning as I was preaching to my chairs, and I was saying, you know, a lot of times we'll say, God, I, I need joy. I need to receive your joy. Boy, those lights are bright. I'm going to come back down here. <laughs> God, I, I need to receive your joy. I need to receive your joy. And it just dawned on me what I was doing. I was dancing. <laughs> before the Lord. And I going, yeah, that's right. To receive God's joy, not only do I need to dance before the Lord, I need to praise God in my whole being. That's how you receive God's joy. And I got to thinking about what I do, you know, when I was in those situations or anytime I'm in those situations and I go to the throne room and when I'm at work, um, you know, it's got the white throne, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and <laughs> I just begin now, here's my song that my favorite song, <laughs> I, <laughs> I gotta get the right song. The joy of the Lord is my strength, you know, and, and then I've got to show you. myself, you know, because it's, it's, you know, I'm working out though. Yeah, I am. And I had a lady the other day, she says, I can see it. You're getting muscle there. And I said, oh yeah. I'm starting to walk straighter. <laughs> really? Seriously? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was really walking proud the other day. My muscles are holding me together. <laughs> but I start, and then I love that one. And I'll go, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And then I love the second verse. And now, you can't do the second verse unless you're thinking of doing it right at the devil's face. 
you're just looking at him. And then you go, ah, ha, 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 Man, I thought it was written all throughout that Bible. And I found it in Nehemiah 8, 10. It's all in one place. He said, and, and God, uh, I mean, the Ezra, I think it was, was saying, put away your sorrow. And they had started reading the word of God, and they said, put away your sorrow. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And, you know, and somebody wrote that song, taking that, and we just jumped on it. And praise the Lord. Because I was not feeling so much strength Sunday morning and got prayed for by Debbie. And the joy of the Lord was my strength. And I was able to go on and sing and praise and worship, you know. And then earlier today, you know, I just wasn't feeling, you know, because it hits you, you know. When your dad dies, it hits you. And I, and I just, the joy of the Lord is my strength, you know. Okay, so I've got another song. I'm not going to do it just yet. <laughs> Uh, 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 it, it's 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 a good one, <laughs> but you know, singing that, singing and praising the Lord. Now I do that song just to, because it gives me joy. You know, you can do whatever song you want to that gives you joy, but that gives me joy. It fills me up with joy, you know. And then I can just go on. Now I had a situation just the other day though, you know, and I was, you know, the boss had been. Well, she goes through some things sometimes. It's a lot of stress being a boss. A lot of stress being a boss. Glad I'm not one. You know, I don't want that job. And sometimes they get a little fear, you know. And when fear comes in, fear can act ways fear ought not to. And uh, I was just, and God spoke to me through my coworker. And I had to repent big time because I had been, instead of loving my boss and forgiving her, you know, forgiveness, unforgiveness will steal your joy. It's the biggest, I think it's one of the biggest joy stealers because there's people throughout your life who have done things to you. And sometimes you got to go back, way back to childhood. And begin forgiving them. Because things now in your older life are going to affect you because you haven't forgiven somebody when you were younger. For unforgiveness will be a joy. You, suddenly you're, you're going, what's the matter with me? Something's, you know, not how. It's because you have unforgiveness in your heart about somebody or something. And, you know, one thing I, you know, I, God was in, you know, had me in a teaching period for a long time there. And every morning... I'd get up and I'd say, I forgive people, whoever comes into my life, this day before they do anything. I purpose in my heart to forgive them. You know, and that makes a whole lot of difference in your life. When you've purposed in your heart to forgive. Oh, my goodness. I went through the line uh, at Walmart one time and, and uh she made, you know, we got all the groceries done, and I wanted her to do my little cards, you know. And she messed up on the little card and had to do all my groceries all over again, you know. 
And uh, <laughs> that happened to me twice with that same lady. But it was okay because, you know, I had forgiveness in my heart already. And the people standing around me, they couldn't figure out why I wasn't going, uh, uh. well, I can't believe, you know, I'm like, uh, uh, you know. I was just like, you know, it's okay. It's okay because we all make mistakes. I'm king mistake maker. Ask my boss. You know? <laughs> and it's okay. And so I just would spit peace, you know, and then the next time she did it. And, you know, it spoke to her too because I didn't get all upset and all out of whack. I had peace in my heart because I'd chosen to forgive before I even started out the day. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What else do we want to give God? Okay. Okay. That's a good one. Um, wow. Joy. Women. Men, close your ears. Women, we go through some times in our, you know, I don't do monthlies anymore, but I kind of, and uh, where it's really difficult, especially if you have PMS. Man, it's difficult. Uh, we have children in here. Uh, anyway, and, you know, and you, I used to go, okay, God, it's the week before. I'm going to have to watch what I say, watch what I do, more so any other time of the month because this time it's, you know, it's so easy for me to, React now. I tend to react and you know where other people might react differently, and uh, I have this personality though that it's it's on one of those. I guess because I'm hyper, you know. I try not to be, but I am. And uh, <laughs> don't laugh at me. And uh, I, I'm on this little edge here, you know, that can drop off into depression easily. So I have to watch myself not to fall off the edge. And. Uh, <laughs> This wonderful woman, this wonderful woman, she had, she said, for my son, she said, have him take 5-HTP. And so I got that for him. And guess what? He wouldn't take it. But I thought, oh, you know, I think I might try that. Oh, and do you know that made a whole lot of difference? Because, I don't know, there was something missing in my chemical balance there. Then when I started taking that every day, I called my happy pill. You know, happy pill. You know? But you know, you cannot, <laughs> you cannot rely on that happy pill, I found out. Because there are things that happen. And I'm going, now God, I took my happy pill. What's going on here? <laughs> you know, so I've got to do all that, the, you know, forgiving and loving and trusting. Trusting. Ooh, we're not going to get there. Man, I could really go on on that one. But don't you love my train? I love my train. Uh, <laughs> love, joy, peace. I hope that goes with you when you go, you know. Um, next thing I want to hit on is casting your care. You know, I haven't done a lot of scriptures, have I? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Well, I, I dug and dug for scriptures, and then I, then I not even use them. Um, okay, uh, we're gonna let's go with this. I'm, I'm gonna come back just a little bit. And we're gonna get on that love chapter real fast. Uh, I'm gonna go past that. You can tell why it was so hard for me to put this all together because I just doop, 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 over here, there, everywhere. Okay, First Corinthians. If you'll turn with me to First Corinthians, and and they may have First Corinthians. Um, 
Here's something. I, I thought this was really great. I, I love the Amplified, and it's something, man, that really speaks to me a lot. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is never envious nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious and does not display itself haughtily. Ouch. Be careful on that one. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude and unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. Oh, no, this one's a good one. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful, and this is the one that speaks the most to me. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Man, if that don't speak to you, doesn't speak to you. That is something to take to the bank and live on. It takes no account for the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. I'm going to skip to seven. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Wow. That even means Obama. Ouch. Ouch. Somebody told me today, yesterday, whatever, that we don't have to honor him, and I'm saying, yes, you do. You have to honor that office. Yeah. You have to, and, and because I don't care who's sitting there, you have to honor that office. You have to honor it. I hope that's not me. <laughs> um, and here we go. It endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, and so forth. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. I'm going to go through another verse now. Going back to casting all your cares. I just had to bring that in. Excuse me. Casting all your cares. That's one of the things that can rob you of your joy. Rob you of your joy. You got to live a carefree life. You have to live a carefree life. That doesn't mean that you don't have any cares at all because you need to have some kind of cares. Because I've seen people, I don't care about anything. And everything goes on and you're going, whoa. You need to have a little bit, you know. However, here, care, here's a thing. I don't know where I got this from, if I wrote it or whatever. <laughs> care that is based in fear comes in many forms. Fear of rebuttal, fear of failure, fear of sickness and disease, fear of making a mistake or fear of being accused of something that you didn't do. There is a care, though, that is good, but... We turn good care into bad by carrying the care. And we carry the care. We open the door for fear, which invites distrust and anger. When you walk carefree, you can walk in joy and happiness. When you carry the care, that's why Jesus said, or Paul said, whatever, Cast all your cares on Jesus. Cast your cares. Now, I had some teaching in a, a prayer manual from um, 
I, I'm so good with names, okay. Um, I even forget my husband's name. Uh, and I would forget my own name if it hadn't lived with me for almost 55 years. Saturday. <laughs> uh, anyway, he was a great preacher. Great preacher. Live, live, had the... Hey, again. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> You're good. Okay, Kenneth Hagin. And he talked about... And I haven't achieved this, so I'm, I'm just really scared to even mention it. But he talked about commitment. You know, when I commit myself, which I did commit myself to pray on Monday nights or have prayer nights. We started out Tuesday nights and now it's Monday nights. And when I'm committed, I'm committed to be on this praise and worship team, and I'm here. Unless we're out of town, I'm here because I'm committed. I make a commitment. When I make a commitment, I stick with it. I don't say, I don't feel good today. I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be there anyway, you know. Tough if I don't feel good. I'm going to be there. Or it's raining outside, you know. I don't think I'll be there today. No, I made a commitment. And what he talked about, instead of doing this daily uh, casting your cares and moment by moment casting, I'm still there, <laughs> casting your cares, you know, because you take them back, you know, and then casting your cares, because, and you got to take them back. He said, make a commitment. Make a commitment. I will no longer carry my cares. When the cares come, I give them to God, and that's that. Now, I have not arrived there. I don't know if I ever will. But I'm working at it. You know, I'm working at it. Casting my cares. You know, I used to think of it like this. You take this rod, you go fishing. Better see what time it is. <laughs> take this rod and you go fishing and you throw your care out there and then you cut the line. <laughs> I would like to see you swim out there and try and get that line. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> He's going down to the bottom. But, you know, if I'm really good fisherman, I can hook me up another line and cast it out there and catch it again. Mm. See? And that's, uh, you know, I thought, boy, well, that one doesn't work. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, maybe he's got something to that. Commitment. Commitment. Be committed. Daily you think the care comes on you. Begin to, Now, I have trouble. I wake up in the first thing in the morning and sometimes I, you know, and things come on and I don't really fight them, you know, because we're supposed to capture our, our thoughts and put them under submission. And, uh, you know, there, before I know it, I've thought thoughts and, you know, and I, so I have to really watch myself when I wake up in the morning. But when I think... The thoughts come in. I'm committed. I've made a commitment. And I am really strong on my commitments. And maybe that's why I haven't done this one. Yes, <laughs> I need to do it. To be, I tried that two years ago, and then I forgot all about it. So that shows how much. And so, you know, and I, said, and I got to thinking, you mean he never carries it? You know, because... Kenneth Hagin says he never does it again. He, since he made that commitment, he's never done it again. I'm going, he couldn't be human. 
no humans I know, you know, things come up, new things come up. You know, maybe I'm committed to this area, you know, when things in this area come up again, I'm committed. I will never worry about it again, but then something come, here comes up. Well, now I haven't made a commitment over there yet, you know. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about commitment of anything that happens to you. So work on that one. I am too. Commit. Commit yourself to cast your cares. And casting your cares, that's in, can we get a scripture there? That's in uh, 1 Peter 5, 7. Okay, I'm going to go to Philippians. This is a good one. Here we go. Because I don't have a whole lot of time left. So we're going to go to Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And I'm going to finish up with this one. Hallelujah. You didn't believe I can preach so long, did you? <laughs> Philippians 4, 6. I'm going to go through, through 8 because 8 has the great thing. But we're talking about casting our cares. Philippians 4, 6. And I'm, I'm reading Amplified. So it's a lot of words. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And the peace, God's peace, shall be yours. I love this. That tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God, being content with its earthly lot, whatever sort that is, that peace. Wow, contentment. Mm, That's another one. Which transcends all understanding. God's peace, which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And here's another thing. To keep your joy, things to think on. If you're thinking on Bad things, you're going to lose your joy. But if you're thinking on these things, whatever is worthy of reverence, and I've been here so many times, all these, I'll be thinking all these thoughts, and then God will say, is that worthy of reverence? Uh, no. Uh, is it honorable or seemly? Mm, no. Is it just or pure? Uh, no. Um, is it lovely or lovable? Uh, no. Whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, is there any virtue or excellence in what you're thinking on? Uh, No. Is there anything worthy of praise? No, God. Then what do you do in thinking on that? Ouch. You're right, God. As long as I'm thinking on what I'm thinking on, I'm not where you're at. See, God will say... Don't go where I'm not. He tells me that all the time. Don't go where I'm not. Now, we're not talking about, you know, I can go to the depths of hell and God's going to be there with me. I can go, you know, I'm going to go to the bar, which I would never do. But, you know, if I went to the bar, you know, I'm going to testify. You know, uh, God would go there with me. and He's going to go there with me when I go physically. But we're talking about a spiritual thing. There are places when I'm in the mully grubs, he says, I'm not there. When I'm feeling it, I'm having a pity party. He does not go to my pity party. I can invite him all I want to, and he will not come. I don't know why. When I am angry, and I'm so mad at something or someone, God 
says, I'm not there. Don't go where I'm not. So when you're going places that you know is not right, and, and you feel like you have a right to go there, what we talk about at the beginning, no, you don't have a right. Because if you abandon self, you gave up your rights. You don't have a right to be mad at people. You don't have a right to get angry. There are some things you have a right to have a firmness over. You know, I have a right to be firm with my children and say, it's not happening. (laughs) You're not going to draw all over my walls. I have a right. But I don't have a right to say, I can't believe what you did. You just draw all over the You know, I don't have a right to scream and yell. I don't have that right. You know, you don't have, there are rights that you have, but that's not one of them. You know, I don't have a right to take up for self and come back at someone, which I did today. And God really didn't have that right. And I apologized and I hugged on my boss because I came back at her because I was just stressed. And, and I, I apologized and I hugged her and I said that I was sorry because I didn't have the right to do that. You know, God always, when you got to talk in front of my, you know, Satan's always got to do something, you know, to make, hello, okay. God, thank you for the opportunity to make that blunder. I'm going to tell everybody, you know, but I think I'm about out of time. So I'm just going to leave that with you and let you have my train in your mind of you can't have joy. This is the joy train, but it doesn't run without love and peace. Okay. Okay.